G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, the introduction was uh, was really recounting some of the horror issues that have been going on in the state of Queensland this week. And uh, you're in Victoria, you're in Melbourne, and uh, there are lots of incidences that you would hear about uh, in Melbourne that are uh, coming across the news headlines uh, virtually every day as well. And it's the same in every state and territory around the country. Domestic violence seems to be something that's boiling over, Brett Ryan, uh, and uh, you would be receiving calls and you'd be uh, resourcing various groups about how to deal with this sort of thing. Uh, How do you uh, approach those sorts of calls when they come through? Oh, well, it's, I mean, one is just to validate and whatever someone is going through is very real for them. And unfortunately, uh, no state is immune from this. And, uh, and also in Christendom, no one's immune from this. We're all, we are all fallen people and we make uh, horrible errors. And unfortunately, people are the brunt of our anger and our frustrations and people get hurt. And um, so one of the greatest things we can do is just to validate and believe when they are going through this. And often we can't do a great deal, but we can actually send them in the right direction. People who are local, people, communities that can come alongside them. And we can also um, advise people uh, on, you know, how to support somebody going through uh, a series of uh, a situation where they are in domestic violence. Right from the outset in our conversation today, because you mentioned no one is immune from domestic violence and we might like to think, and perhaps with some rose-coloured glasses on, that people in church life might be more protected, but there are obvious incidences that happen in churches uh, that are a real challenge when it comes to domestic violence. Now, yeah. Thankfully, there are, uh, there are leaders who uh, are hopefully equipped to handle some of those circumstances. Yes, a lot of times, uh, and it's interesting, when you hear the words domestic violence, you always uh, sort of automatically go towards physical abuse. And unfortunately, that's only one part of a number of series of what we can define as what domestic violence is. And any time someone is in a, a situation where they are fearful and afraid for their safety, whether that's emotional abuse, I mean, obviously we have sexual abuse, physical abuse, we can have financial abuse, and social isolation is a very common one. And then, unfortunately, we also have spiritual abuse. And all these areas where someone is in a situation where they feel fearful, that is a definition of what uh, domestic violence is. We're talking about power and control, aren't we? When we talk about issues of domestic violence, oftentimes uh, one partner, and uh, in, you know, if the statistics are all right and uh, really anecdotally you don't need to have too much evidence, usually it's a man uh, who is uh, impressing his need for control and power over his wife or partner uh, and, of course, then children, but uh, typically men at the heart of the issue here in domestic violence. Oh, they are. And, and I would have to say even we've just recently done a domestic violence um, series to broadcast, which I will make available to all of our listeners, uh, your listeners today, 
um, that they can go to our website, and that's just about as soon as you go to be live, and there's two broadcasts. And it's interesting, when we uh, played that, we had a number of men ring up and contact us and say, well, I've been the victim of abuse. So it is, does go both ways, but I would agree. It's mainly uh, um, the, the victim are female and the males are the perpetrators. And it's an unfortunate indictment on the human nature and especially of the, the male gender. Well, very shortly, we're going to get some insights into a legislative approach from governments when it comes to issues of domestic violence. And uh, since I uh, recited those domestic violence incidents that have boiled over in Queensland this week, I'm going to be chatting with the Queensland Government Minister for Communities and for Women and Youth and the Minister for Child Safety in Queensland. Her name is uh, Shannon Fenterman. Uh, We'll chat with her very shortly about government responses to domestic violence. But when we talk about domestic violence, and I'm inviting listeners to be part of our conversation today, you might have your own thoughts, those stories that you might know that you might like to share. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. We'll take some calls shortly. But when we come to this issue of domestic violence, we're coming from a biblical, a Christian foundation today, Brett. Uh, when you talk about a biblical foundation in dealing with issues of family strength, family values, uh, how important is it to know that there are some timeless, uh, wonderful, rich foundations that families can be built on? Oh, I mean, where do you start? But I mean, when we go back to the very beginning, when you know God orchestrated marriage, and He had male and female, and those. You know, words that Adam shared, you know, what man has brought together, you know, like let no man put it asunder. And this idea of leave and cleave and all those type of things, words that would have been foreign for him because he didn't have, you know, a biological father or parents. And and it's just a wonderful um, uh, an image of the intimacy that Christ wants with us as individuals. And even more so when we are, you know, have our lifelong partner to have him included in every part of our conversation. In Ecclesiastes, I always refer to this verse where it says, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And if we've got individuals, husband and wife, and we put that most important and vital uh, ingredient of God in every part of our lives, it will strengthen and solidify our marriages. Interesting to put it like that and uh, be interested in listener calls and insights uh, a little later on too. But when you talk about that's three strands, uh, you're talking about a husband, a wife, and then this extra strand is the person of God himself uh, who is like an oversight over the relationship. And that can't be minimized because so many Christian believers recognize the value of having God present in that relationship between a man and a woman. Very, very much so. I mean, I look at based on my own marriage. Um, I mean, I love my wife and she is my, my companion, my lifelong companion. I, I can't imagine doing life without her. But at the, the center of all of our relationship is got to be Christ. And I need to have my relationship with God. Kate needs to have her relationship with God. But together we can be united front and we can include him on in every part of our decision-making, wisdom for bringing up our three young men and, um, and decisions that need to be made in life. And, and I 
would be lost without my relationship with God. And including him in my marriage just only strengthens and actually enriches our marriage. Let's talk about the idea of one spouse training the other. There is a sense, and I've had a number of occasions where I've been uh, inputting into uh, young couples who were intending to be married and uh, talking about the idea that, you know, once those rings are on the finger, there's a a training process that really, you know, once you're on the other side of the wedding, uh, the marriage begins and there's a training process. He's training her. Uh, no one likes to have that thought, but then the opposite is true too. She's training him. She usually has a better idea about training him than he does about training her. But, uh, <laughs> but there is a sense, isn't there, Brett Ryan, uh, that we are students of one another when we're in a marriage. Oh, very much so. In fact, I, I mean, before I go into that comment about that, I actually did a family minute on this yesterday. I did some recording in the studio, and I talked about that if you don't like... Um, some of the bad habits or don't like their character or behavior, um, don't think that by getting a ring on their finger is going to change their, you know, character. It can mold and, you know, and their behavior may change. But if you don't like them before, don't expect that when you get married and get the ring on the finger, they're going to change. And we shouldn't go in the idea that we can change somebody. We've got to accept them for who they are. But as we um, get married, I think it's imperative that you become students of your spouse. In fact, I'm working towards my PhD and my wife. And just when I think I know and understand her, there's something new and wonderful and, and things to discover. And, um, you know, when we get married, we, we, we go in with the notion that they're going to never change. But life, you know, body changes, hormonal changes, experiences, all these things make it so we need to study our spouse and, and you know, and learn you know, cues and what they like, what they dislike, but also discover what their languages of love are. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, we're talking through issues this hour to do with domestic violence. Our special guest is Brett Ryan, the CEO of Focus on the Family Australia. But let's talk about some of the ways that government deal with this issue of domestic violence. Uh, In Queensland of late, this week, there's been a spate of domestic violence incidences that really Uh, really tear at the heartstrings, Uh, the number of people, the number of families that will be torn apart by a number of incidents that we've already talked about. Let's get some insight from the Queensland Government Minister for Communities, Women and Youth, the Minister for Child Safety in Queensland, Shannon Fentiman, who's joining us. Hello, Shannon. Welcome along to 2020. Hi, good to be with you. Uh, Shannon Fentiman, when we reflect on these issues, and uh, you're right there in the middle of it, uh, southeast Queensland, this week a horror week uh, for domestic violence incidences. Uh, how do you reflect on things that have been across the news headlines uh, ever since Monday, then through Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and even today? I know. and Look, I think Queenslanders and indeed all Australians have been really shocked by these events, um, really sickening acts of domestic violence played out uh, in the public and it really has highlighted once more the terrible impact that domestic and family violence is having on families here in Queensland and across Australia. I mean, we know that two women a week are being killed at the hands of a partner or former partner. Um, These recent tragedies, um, very public tragedies, remind us that 
we have a huge challenge ahead of us to tackle uh, this scourge on our community. A lot of people in the community look to government for answers when it comes to issues like domestic violence, and most of us recognise that there are limitations to that. Though there has been a domestic violence task force at work in Queensland, and there's a number of legislative changes that are likely to be fast-tracked through the parliament there. What are you able to tell us about that fast-tracking of some legislation that might help to deal with some of these issues? Yeah, well, earlier this year, Dame Quentin Bryce handed down uh, her report, Not Now, Not Ever, uh, into domestic and family violence in Queensland. And it's the most comprehensive look at how Queensland can tackle domestic and family violence. And there are 140 recommendations in that report. And the government has committed to implementing each and every one of them and a, num- a number of them uh, do relate to uh, amending legislation um, to better protect women and their families escaping domestic and family violence but also hold perpetrators to account and improve the way that our court system deals with domestic violence. So there's a range of legislative responses um, that we're working through and some of the key actions include um, increasing criminal penalties for domestic and family violence, really to reflect that uh, the relationship um, is an aggravating factor in sentencing when there is assault. Um, Domestic and family violence is such a breach of trust that it really does deserve to have higher penalties and you know, you'll hear a lot of people talking about how important it is to hold perpetrators to account as we respond um, to this and the Premier certainly mentioned that yesterday in her comments and she has talked about fast-tracking um, some of these legislative amendments. Um, the Not Now, Not Ever report also identified that strangulation is often a precursor to domestic homicide and the task force recommended considering making that a criminal offence and then again we've, uh, we've accepted that recommendation and we'll be working towards introducing uh, amendments to the criminal code to reflect that. But you're right, I mean government certainly has a role to play and you know we are determined to tackle this issue but we really need the whole community to come together to say no to domestic and family violence. And, you know, it has been really heartening. This morning uh, here in Queensland, we've seen many high-profile media personalities, sports personalities come out and say enough is enough and it's time to say no to domestic and family violence. You can toughen up on penalties for all sorts of dimensions of domestic violence, and there's also those organisations that pick up the pieces after there's been incidents. Is there plans to increase funding in the state of Queensland when it comes to organisations that support, particularly women and children, who are often the victims of domestic violence? Absolutely. Um, We acted straight away um, when we came into government earlier this year with an extra $1.5 million for DV Connect, which is the statewide helpline for anyone fleeing domestic and family violence. Um, The the CEO of DV Connect met with me very early on in my term and just said that they'd really experienced a 40% increase in calls since last October. So um, we were really happy to... I work with them to deliver that extra funding because there has been a lot of, I guess, momentum and a lot of media coverage around domestic violence um, in recent months, which is which is good, and it means that more and more women are reaching out for help. But we've got to make sure that we've got the support services there that they need when they reach out for help. So 
I also announced earlier this year that uh, work was underway to open two new 72-hour crisis shelters in Queensland. And these are the first refuges for women and their families fleeing violence that Queensland has opened in more than 20 years. Um, and we are you know, increasing funding uh, to these grassroots organisations that do so much great work in local communities supporting women. Uh, we're spending more than $66 million just this year to tackle domestic and family violence and you know, a lot of that money goes to those great organisations doing work on the ground supporting victims. Shannon Fenderman, not sure how closely the government works with church organisations around the state of Queensland or how much governments are working hand-in-hand with churches around the nation, but uh, can you reflect for a few moments on whether you think churches are doing enough uh, to help form the right family values that help to stamp out domestic violence? Certainly I think everyone in the community now has an opportunity to step up and play a leadership role in delivering that message that violence against women is completely unacceptable. Um, My department works very closely with a number of churches in Queensland to deliver uh, support services for children and families, including domestic and family violence. Um, you know, we're partnering with Churches of Christ, Anglicare, Mercy Family Services, Centre Care, uh, right across Queensland to deliver support that families need so that, you know, small problem, problems don't become big problems. And we're really aiming to partner with these organisations to make sure that families get the help they need before they reach crisis point. And, you know, we know there is a huge overlap between domestic violence and child protection. And, you know, we're really focused on early intervention and prevention, supporting families, getting them the help they need uh, before they reach crisis point and before there is violence in the home. Shannon Fenderman is the Queensland Government Minister for Communities, for Women and Youth, the Minister for Child Safety and the Minister for Multicultural Affairs. Uh, Shannon, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule today uh, for talking to uh, us here on 2020. Thanks so much for covering this really critical issue. Appreciate it. It is certainly a critical issue, isn't it, this issue of domestic violence? And we'll be opening our talkback lines uh, in just a short while. Uh, if you've got some contribution to make, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen is our number. Our special guest through this hour is Brett Ryan, the CEO of Focus on the Family Australia. Uh, Brett, uh, reflecting on those things that the Queensland Minister was sharing there, uh, your thoughts on, on some of the things that she was talking about, tougher penalties... Uh, crisis shelters, uh, working with churches? I applaud um, the proactivity of the the government trying to um, address some of these issues. Um, The words early intervention cannot be used enough. And um, and from Focus's point of view, that's what we really want to do. We want to create healthy families and healthy relationships and, you know, work out things well before it gets out of hand. And so her words of early intervention resonate and um, should be, you know, echoed throughout our nation about trying to work out, you know, it's premarital counselling, you know, those type of things. Um, early intervention on how to be a better parent and equipping people. So because information is power, and when we have that information at our, ha- at our disposal, we're going to address a lot of issues, how to resolve conflict, how to address issues 
well before like alcohol or drug or, or financial problems. All these things, if we get early intervention, we won't see the, the domino effect that we see the destructive nature and the decimation that it leaves behind when families do implode and, and, and as a result of that, domestic violence. The one thing I would actually have some, you know, and I think you, were, you mentioned it about, you know, um, tougher penalties. We've, we've seen time and time again that looks good, but it doesn't really make a difference. When someone is going through, they're not going to think, oh, well, I, if I do this, will I not, you know, I'm not, I might go to jail longer. They're not, they're not thinking rationally. And that's the thing. When someone is in a violent or an aggressive or angry state, they're not thinking rationally. And, um, and you mentioned earlier about the power and that, um, you know, the, the domination of, of an individual over another. They're not thinking clearly. And so I, I applaud it, but I think the most important thing was that early intervention. We will be inviting callers, 1-800-316-316, to be part of our conversation today. We're talking about domestic violence. You might have your own thoughts to share. In fact, let's take a a call before we go to the word for today with Bob Gass. Anne is in Winton in Queensland. Hello, Anne. Welcome along to 2020. Good morning. Anne, what are your thoughts on this issue we're talking about this hour? Well, um, I'm speaking from personal experience. And um, I'm, I'm safe now, but there were, a, there were a lot of threats about safety to my... I was in a second marriage and the threats were for me, yes, and, and I, would, I, would get, I would get hiding when I'd have much to do with my family. And, but I never gave up on my family because they kept me sane and I strengthened my faith and I got away and I'm safe. But I really think that we need to this needs to be in school. And I, you're uh, you're you're just dropping out a little on us there. Uh, but uh, did Is you that pick? Uh, that's a little bit better. You, just quickly, what was that point you were making? I really think it's important that children at school, girls, uh, need to be educated on what's not acceptable. The early signs, and there are early signs of control. And I, the boys need to know they may be just modelling what they've grown up with, but they need to know how to treat someone. And I think the fundamental emotion of respect is missing. Let's hear some thoughts. Brett Ryan from Focus on the Family and some good points there. Oh, and thank you so much for sharing. And I'm so pleased that you are safe now. And I think the keys that you said about having your family support to keep you sane, I think that's really imperative because a lot of them do get um, people who have been in, in domestic violence have been isolated from their family and um, and almost ostracised because of, of a number of issues, whether it's cultural, whether it's a, a faith. But having your family to support you during that, that tremendous and traumatic time um, I commend. I love the idea about education. Um, I think it's really important for young ladies to learn how to be young ladies and learning how to say no. For young men, knowing how to say no and how to treat another woman. And But I would always say we can't put this onus on to the government or the education department to solve these pro- problems. I think it's a whole community-wide issue. And we as a society need to take hold of this. And um, it's great we have, you know, superstars and and people talking about enough's enough but we also have to give them equip them on how we should do that and it always starts at home 
And from Winton in Queensland, thanks so much for your call today. Our talkback line, 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour, Brett Ryan, the CEO of Focus on the Family Australia. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. Just to mention, just before we go to uh, the word for today with Bob Gass, lots of resources from Focus on the Family and uh, simply going to the Focus on the Family website. Uh, People will be able to download some. And just quickly, Brett Ryan, before we go to uh, the word for today, there's some special programs you've got today that people can download for free that address this issue of domestic violence. Yes, we've got actually two. We've got um, one on domestic violence and they can just go to our website at families.org.au. That's families.org.au and they can download for free um, two of our recent broadcasts on domestic violence. And then to start off Marriage Week, which begins next week, um, we've actually got four um, broadcasts on marriage and some of those have been, you know, wonderful stories of complete turnaround of um, people who were almost going on the verge of divorce and, um, and, and had a dysfunctional marriage, but then it were turned around. And so it gives a, a lot of people some hope. So they're available and they can just download theirs for free. It's Neil with you, and our special guest this hour is Brett Ryan, the CEO of Focus on the Family Australia, talking through issues this hour, domestic violence. It's been a horror week of headlines in the state of Queensland this week, but there are headlines in every state and territory around the nation. We are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Might be quite a few to get through. Let's make a start. Uh, Brett, let's hear from uh, Kristen in Cairns in Queensland. Hello, Kristen. Welcome along to 2020. What are your thoughts on our topic today? Kristen, are you with us? Well, you might like to try and call us back, Kristen. Let's try Gordon in Caramine in Queensland. Hello, Gordon. Welcome along to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Gordon, what are your thoughts on our topic of domestic violence this hour? Neil, I think the media has got a very wrong balance on this particular issue because, in my view, there are two kinds of domestic violence. Uh, the, The bruises that occur on the inside of a person's soul and spirit area and bruises that occur on the outside of uh, people. And uh, the the emphasis seems to be on the bruises that occur on the outside of people, usually inflicted by men because of uh, how great a strength. But I believe that the ones on the inside are every bit as damaging and uh, contributing to the problem perhaps. I'm saying, Neil, that both are very wrong and that my suggestion is that pre-marriage counselling by our pastors could help eliminate a lot of the problems that we're seeing at the moment. I just wonder whether Brett has got a better idea than pre-marriage counselling. Brett Ryan, what are your thoughts on what Gordon is sharing? Oh, two things. Well, definitely, I agree wholeheartedly. A lot of people look at the outside, but at the inside. I remember that saying, sticks and stones may um, hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me, is so untrue. I think words are, and, and you know, that can actually have that emotional side of things. Um, I, would, I think premarital counselling is imperative. In fact, uh, we're soon to release a, a new curriculum called Ready to Wed, and um, and it's uh, going to be in partnership possibly with Prepare and Enrich, and it's a, a great program to prepare, um, you know, young couples. And there's some study that says that with couples who do premarital counselling, 80% of them will actually see it through and not go through the conflict. So I would wholeheartedly agree that we need to educate 
people and not just you know think that once you get married, it's all going to be easy. We need to be as well prepared as possible. Gordon from Caramine in Queensland, thanks so much for your input today on 2020. Let's hear from Robbie in Kalgoorlie. Hello, Robbie. Welcome along. Yeah, g'day. Um, what are your thoughts, Robbie? Rightio, my thoughts are, I think, for a start, that uh, men who commit these crimes, they definitely don't love themselves enough. Uh, nobody is worth going to jail for. They need to be trained to imagine that they have committed the crime, whatever it is, and then look carefully at the consequences and then maybe come to terms with they're better off to leave the relationship if it's, you know, doing something to them where they're so angry. Robbie, what you're saying is uh, when governments talk about tougher penalties, there needs to be discussion about what the penalties are before you get to that point of exploding emotionally and uh, and then lashing out. You're saying this is the sort of thing that people, and particularly men, need to hear about in their younger years before they get to a time when they're actually going to be facing those tougher penalties. Yeah, well, that's a good idea. Not so much quite that, but also the fact of uh, the other things that, uh, you know, like the damage you do to your children, you know, the damage that is shame for your family, you know, all these things as well, and all the costs that they're going to have to pay if they cross the line and, you know, commit an atrocity. And um, no woman or anybody, you know, for that matter, is worth, you know, ruining your life for. Brett and Ryan. they should withdraw. Brett, what are your thoughts on what Robbie's sharing? I think it's an ideal um, that that would be that they, I mean, because I, I, I think everyone is redeemable. And uh, you're right, I think um, a lot of the people who um, do inflict this, um, pain and suffering on others. Uh, they've got other issues going on in their world. They're either insecure, they haven't had really good role models in their own lives, and they've got lots of other issues. And, and this is one area that they feel like they've got control with, and they're losing control uh, by inflicting on others. And, um, and, it's, and it's a very complex issue, and, but they need just as much help. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily um, get a lot of traction because they've been the one causing the pain and it's very hard to actually show empathy to people who cause pain to others but they need just as much support as well to become whole and and fully redeemed because no one is beyond repair. Robbie from Kalgoorlie thanks for your insights today let's hear from Kristen in Cairns we've got her back hello Kristen welcome along. Hello. Kristen what are your thoughts on our topic about domestic violence today? Well, I um, fled to Queensland to flee a violent partner and the immediate roadblock I found was that when I went to renew a domestic violence order from another state, it was stated to me that because no crime had been committed in Queensland, they weren't prepared to renew my order and I had to wait until something happened in Queensland. Mm. And so I basically kind of stayed under the radar until my child was too old for her to be retrieved to a different state. But that wasn't a very satisfactory outcome that I had a five-year history of breaches of orders and I just got shrugged shoulders and said, oh, well, nothing's happened in Queensland. It's more a legal question. I'm not sure, uh, Brett Ryan, your thoughts on that particular one? Well, I'm very sorry, Kristen, that you've gone through that. The, The fact is it is very complicated and the law... There are certain laws and rules and regulations that we must follow and we need to honour them. And, and, but when you're in it, it is very frustrating. 
And I've heard of a number of situations where that is a common practice. And it seems to be you have to wait till something drastic happens before they get proactivity. And this isn't just as frustrating for the police as it is for other healthcare workers. Uh, their hands are tied. But I think the government are looking at different ways of addressing this. But it's very difficult to legislate for potential rather than for actually actual. Kristen, I've got you with us still. And you said you fled to Queensland and... You had to go into hiding. I wonder whether you can describe for us just how fearful you are when you know that you have a violent partner that potentially could be tracking you down. Are you are you able to share how you feel when you're when you're under that sort of threat? Yeah, well, the threat isn't there anymore, but certainly when it was there, um, there are a number of things that you know you just had to do, like put um, have your phone on silent always go to the schools and say, don't ever put my child's photo in the school magazine, you know, and, and just the fact that the partners are almost always, the, the victim of domestic violence has to be the police officer. So I'm the one that has had to say, I'm going to call the cops, rather than any obligation on the violent ex-partner to, to not. And it was always, and it's always been that the victim is the person who has to be the police officer. Mm-hmm. You, very hard. you have to learn to be very assertive and take control when you are the victim. Oh, absolutely. But that's not easy for everybody. I mean, we were very well supported by my community up here. It was wonderful. but um, And the word was sent back that he wasn't welcome up here by his own community members. But um, not everyone's that lucky. No. Well, Kristen, thanks so much for sharing your heartbeat with us today. And, uh, and we are uh, both uh, very glad that you are safe today. Uh, Kristen from Cairns, thanks so much for being with us. Let's hear from Craig in Coomera in Queensland. Hello, Craig. Welcome along to 2020. No, we don't have Craig. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to contribute to our conversation today, our special guest this hour is Brett Ryan, the CEO of Focus on the Family Australia. Uh, Brett, are there any simple uh, there dot points we could write down as to ways that we could protect ourselves, ways that we could uh, come to a place where we can appreciate having a a strength to our marriages, a strength to our families. I know you often like to talk about value and respect. Oh, very, very much so. But could I just uh, uh, do one little response that a very common thing that a lot of people say when it comes to this issue, and a lot of people say, well, why didn't that person just leave? Why didn't? It's a very common uh, thing because we're looking from a very rational thing. But as Kristen was sharing, I just re-emphasised that she sounds like she was a very strong person and was able to, you know, be her own advocate. Um, but a lot of the time that because they've been uh, um, ostracised so much and, and belittled, a lot of their self-esteem, self-esteem and, and self-confidence has um, diminished. And that's the reason why we have to show so much support to them. And also the fear of what are they going to do for finances, what are they going to do for, um, you know, their kids. There's a lot of other issues that um, complicate why someone doesn't leave a situation that it seems to be, from the outside, unsafe. Um, but I will, will say that, I mean, it's really important that we as, uh, especially as Christ followers, do model the example of value and respect and treating others the way that we would like to treat ourselves and preferring one another 
preferring what's best for the other person. And rather than from what I can get out of a relationship, it's what I can give to a relationship. And I know that sounds very idealistic, but I think that's where we need to go from, you know, where it talks about in Ephesians. We need to, um, you know, uh, uh, submit one to another out of reverence for Christ, not women submitting to men or that they do make that point but we have to as men need to submit to our wives and we need to submit to one another out of reverence for christ and i think if we got that right our whole relationship our whole families would change dramatically kirsty kirsty is in south australia hello kirsty welcome along to 2020 Hello. kirsty what are your thoughts on our topic today you work as a domestic violence worker Yes, I do. I've, um, I've been working in the industry for about five years and prior to that um, I've been a youth worker. Um, look, I was just commenting on your last um, caller who was talking about having to get, take control of the victim. Um, you know, that's actually really difficult for a victim to do because domestic violence isn't an anger issue. It's not a drug or alcohol issue. It's a gender it's actually a gender issue. There's issues around um, people thinking women don't have the same rights as men and that men should have power and control over women. So that's within the context of a male-to-female domestic violence situation. Um, so it, it's actually exceptionally difficult for a victim to even get any semblance of control because they're continually pushed down and dominated through various tactics that actually make they have zero control in their life. Um, so I really like, put on that um, caller who actually was able to get some of that back into their life. That's really, really impressive. Great. And uh, Brett Ryan, your thoughts on what Kirsty's sharing? Yeah, exactly. I'll just reinforce what I said, that a lot of people, um, they're because they've been so um, demeaned and devalued, their self-esteem and self-confidence is at an all-time low. And so it takes time for that to come back because they just feel powerless. And it's uh, easy to say, a lot of harder to do. And it takes time to encourage them to come out of their shell and to start taking control of their lives. And, you know, it may be that, and I have to say that sometimes, even if they leave a, a, a situation where they are the, being the victim, it doesn't mean that it will end in divorce. It might mean that this needs is a bit of a wake-up call for the perpetrator to actually get some help. And so it's not forever, but it could be just a wake-up call that they most, most imperatively need. Kirsty from South Australia, thanks so much for your insights today. Let's try Craig from Coomera one more time. Hello, Craig, are you with us? Craig, what are your thoughts quickly? Oh, okay. Um, you had a call just before, a little while back, uh, talking about uh, marriage counselling. Yep. And um, I'd be willing to bet 90% of cases that we've seen on the news, especially these last couple, were married relationships. Um, and as our world gets darker and darker and deeper and deeper into its own self, we've seen a lot of couples that's just not married. And it's sad. I don't agree with it, but um, it's a sad reality. And Uh, well, marriage is, uh, you know, the wedding that starts the marriage is an important time. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Brett Ryan, on, on what uh, Craig's sharing? Well, I think, uh, I mean, we're, do we, we're doing 
a lot of challenging um, paradigm shifts because it used to be majority of people used to get married in a church, and if you got married in a church, it was almost com- it was compulsory that you would have premarital counselling. But we're seeing that almost 80% plus of people not getting married in a church, so they're not necessarily doing premarital counselling now, and um, and. A lot of these things could be, you know, circumvented if they actually had some aha moments along the way before they actually um, become in a committed, loving, caring relationship in, un, under the covenant of marriage. Craig from Coomera, thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. You know, just reflecting oh, not that long ago, and I think it was uh, one of the Abbott government's uh, commitments at the start of their term of government where they wanted to introduce uh, marriage counselling and people would get a voucher. But I think that's all been dropped now because it was not even popular. Yeah, it was um, very unfortunate. Um, I don't think it was... It, uh, I looked into it for, from focus on the family's point of view. It was a, you know, it was a voucher for people who needed counselling, but it had to be a one-on-one. And a lot of things, I think, can actually help address things, even in a in a community setting you know like you can see three or four couples at the same time talking about issues and and addressing issues to before um, and uh, and recognizing that you know oh you've got that problem I've got that problem let's work out things together um, but I it was unfortunate and when the change of government and um, it took place it was withdrawn but I think the potential was enormous because the investment would actually save uh, taxpayers money millions and millions of dollars because that's what's the result of anyone going through divorce. It costs hundreds and thousands of dollars to the taxpayer um, for anyone going through this because it actually has a lot more repercussions, not just for the people who are going through it, but for also there are other people that are going, you know, the family, um, changing uh, policies, banking, all sorts of things. It has a ripple effect. And I think we could save a lot of money if we actually invested in the right things. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. And uh, certainly Marriage Week, something to look forward to. And as that uh, segment spot was uh, was saying, a lot of churches will be doing all sorts of good things for Marriage Week that starts next week. And uh, Brett Ryan, uh, so far as churches go, uh, you guys resource churches and small groups and schools. You've got resources for all sorts of different uh, elements of society. Let's just come back to some of those resources that you've got on offer for people who are struggling with this issue of domestic violence, or maybe you've got a friend who's struggling with that and you'd like to put some resources in their hands. Uh, What sort of things can people access right now? Well, the most obvious one would be, I mean, everyone loves a bargain and you can't get any more of a bargain than when it's for free. And so we put four... um, broadcasts on marriage on our website and we've also done two broadcasts on domestic violence and I think those two um, are available on our website. You just have to go to families.org.au and that's families.org.au or they can call us on 1300 300 361 and we'll be able to send those things to you, either a hard copy or a downloadable copy and they'll be excellent things that you could actually pass on to your family and friends. Let me just reflect or get your thoughts for a moment when you mentioned that the highest majority of marriages these days are not held in churches and therefore there's no pastoral oversight over a marriage and over a family. Your thoughts on if you're going through all sorts of struggles, marriage and family, a good thing to join a church and actually have someone who is interested in the strength of your marriage and your family to actually be an oversight for you. 
Oh, very much so. And I think the important thing is that we should also look for people who are good role models, uh, whether you're involved in the church or, or not. And I, I, that'll be the ultimate, the, the, the ideal. But I think we should also look at um, being coaches and mentors for other couples. And if you've got a strong, healthy marriage, you should look out being able to have an input into younger couples and to journey with them. And, uh, and that's the reason why I'm very excited about the, a new product coming out called um, Ready to Wed. And it's actually wanting mature couples that can actually have input into another person's, another young couple's lives. And I think that'll be an excellent tool. Powerful thought, because so many people who are a part of a local church don't have any sort of formal role to play, but they've got a good marriage, they've got a good family, functional. You can certainly be one who just adopts another young couple or adopts another family that you can identify has got some challenges and just uh, just become friends with them because becoming a friend is just the part of uh, the start of actually uh, being an influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are, and I should note, there are no perfect marriages. So you don't have to have your own everything together, but you can actually share some of your highs and some of your lows and what you've overcome. And you don't have to wait for someone to actually... Uh, being crisis before you can help somebody. That's right. And that's Brett, the idea is being very I'll have to pull you up there, but I wanted to mention families.org.au. Uh, Brett Ryan, the CEO of Focus on the Family. Thanks so much for being with us this hour, Brett. You're more than welcome. Anytime, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.